0: And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. And you're listening to my world without Jeff Jarrett. Well, not exactly. You're going to hear from Jeff today, but unfortunately, Jeff and I were not able to record a new show this week, our schedules just in the line. And we wanted to hit our deadline here to make sure you had something to listen to on Tuesday morning. Uh, but before you know it, when you're least expecting it in the next two weeks or so, we're going to drop a little bonus action right here on the main feed, but today it's a best of for my world. So do me a favor. If you've got a wrestling fan friend in your life, who for whatever reason, doesn't listen to this podcast yet direct them here. We'll have some fun today with some of the best clips. From the Jeff Jarrett Show. It's my world right here on this Podcast. So you're literally walking into the arena here, the Intercontinental Champion, and you're unsigned. And um everybody's probably a little nervous about that. Uh, I'm sure that Vince McMahon at least thinks of Bret Hart and Survivor Series 97, and he probably thinks of Medusa showing up on Nitro. But when, when I, he had I, that let me when, just he, when he had that conversation with you on the 15th. And he said, can I count on you to be there as the son of a promoter? He probably feels like this is different. Jeff's going to be there. Would you agree with that?
1: I, 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 and again, I'll go back to my delusional, optimistic mindset, but I, I sincerely believe he absolutely believes that. Good. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Here's a random name here, but we got to mention it because it's in print. Bob Holly wrote this in his book, talking about you. He walked into the arena for the pay-per-view without his gear and went straight to Vince backstage. We could all hear them yelling in Vince's office. Jeff was demanding that Vince pay him all the money he was owed from previous events and the money for the match he was going to do that night, or he wasn't going to go to the ring. Shane Vince's son was really vocal. He was cussing Jeff out and was ready to beat the shit out of him. Jeff is a mild-mannered guy who wouldn't fight anybody. So he just sat there and held his ground. Let's time out right there. Was there a shouting match in Vince's office? No. When you go, when you walk in the building, do you come in
1: without your gear? So (laughs) this is where uh, that's crazy. And what's kind of mesmerizing to me, Bob Holly's not just Bob Holly, but Bob Holly's editor thought it was important enough to their book to put that in his book completely incorrect, not factual at all. that but but here we are still talking about it, but so I mean that that, that just the context of that is a little uh, amusing to me, I'll say. but no. so what what was interesting was got up, showered. I don't know if we me and Brian I'm sure ate breakfast, but anyway, we got out of the car. And Brian got his bag out and I just shut the truck. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm I'm not going to take my gear in. I don't really know how this is going to go. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, Brian, I said, we've got some business transactions to take care of. Brian, I don't want to know nothing about it. And he walked off, you know, we walked in together, but he's like, I don't want to. I, and I just left my gear in the car. Cause I really didn't know from Friday to Sunday how, what Look, Vince has a show. He has a promotion. He's responsible. But at this point. Maybe this He
0: wrote something else,
1: right? He's, he's responsible at this point on Sunday, October 17th to everybody else except me. Yeah. Knows I'm going to work for his competitor and rightly so. So he could have very easily said, Jeff, we're going to go in a different direction. I appreciate you being here. I'm probably going to pay you a couple hundred bucks for just showing up. We're going to catch you up your money. Hey, you know what thank you for coming i appreciate it but you got to understand we're going to do a count out we're going to do a change title a couple of years before that they did a Shawn Michaels shane douglas deal i mean been yeah. all kinds of things we're just going to go in a different direction hey jeff matter of fact remember the day you started and you came up and we did that whole survivor series deal and all that we don't want to get in we don't want to put ourselves in this kind of environment it's probably just a lot better, not only for us, but for you. Thanks, but no, thanks call Beth Damar for your stocks. And we're going to get you paid up and your checks will keep coming on time. How did I know that when that conversation wasn't going to take place?
0: So what did happen?
1: So, uh, and it's funny, uh, preparing for this week and, and obviously it, we know all the news real time that's going on. But, uh, and when I went back to WWE in in 2019, actually my bad in 2018 for the hall of fame. And then 2019, when I was working with this individual day in and day out. So I get to the building, go in, Terry Taylor was one of the first guys that I saw. Hey Jeff, good to see you. And I think they had sort of broken from production meeting and and I'd like to hear the podcast I just heard. And look, I, I, nobody likes this, but I heard Jim didn't have a real good production meeting. Um, because they knew sort of the set of circumstances and that kind of stuff. But, um, so I go in and I tell Terry, I'm trying to think somebody else was there, but I I just said, Hey, I'd like to work something out today. We need to figure this out. And Terry's like, what are you talking about? And I said, Terry, it's probably not a conversation for you, uh, to have, uh, he said, who is, I said, look, I'll talk to Vince, I'll talk to Jr. I, 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 you guys got a show to run, but you know, if, if, if we're going to get a deal done, we probably need to get on it now because there's a lot of ins and outs to it and Terry's just like, get a deal done. I said, it's not about the match. It's it's not. It's, just, it's not about the match. Okay, I'll be back. And so, I go out in the arena and they're load in, load out and I just sit, you know, maybe 15th row ringside uh, opposite end of entrance and just sort of sat down in my chair. And just started thinking through what i had strategized in my brain and i look over to my corner and uh this g- gentleman retold the story through his ass and i'm talking about a young brand new in the wwf this times who had just sort of come on board maybe a year prior mark carano wow <laughs> mark carano's job description for October the seventeenth, nineteen ninety nine, words out of his mouth were, "To follow Jarrett and the belt." And I said, "And I asked him in 2019, follow Jarrett and the belt.' Like, what does that mean?" He goes, "We wanted to know where the belt was." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's so that I, you know." So, I, Mark, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. I'm just standing over here, and I just I didn't really put two and two together at the time. But his job was to follow me around and keep an eye on me. I was going to leave. He was to give everybody the heads up and all this kind of stuff. So anyway,
0: if this was a football game, he was the QB spy. He's just watching the ball. He's just watching. All
1: he was doing, and no ball was in the. the, It was in the uh, gundarena. It was in the car in the trunk.
0: So you specifically left it and your gear in your bag in the car.
1: Yeah, and and that is not. I'm gonna flex my muscles. I had I truly had no idea how the day was going to go.
0: Hypothetically, was it one of your Halliburtons. No, that would have
1: been. Hilarious. Toomey. It's to me. Duffel
0: would have been hilarious. Yeah. So you, you, you tell Terry, Hey, I need to talk to Vince and
1: I, you, you, I specifically remember I'll talk to Vince if that's what needs to happen, or I'll talk to Jr or I'll talk to anybody, but I want to talk about money today.
0: And what happened?
1: So, uh, sat down, uh, Jr came up. And sat down and says, where we at? I said, well, Jim, I really hate.
0: Are you I- in catering? Are you in the arena? Where in the are you- arena. Okay.
1: And I said, uh, you know, Jim, uh, no, Terry left on the first conversation. He came back for the conversations following, but me and JR sat down and he's like, where are we at? And I said, Jim, I just want to say, man, I hate that this is where we're at. I feel as a character, I'm about as hot as I've been since several years ago but i said i i got i got it i understood that uh you got to make your decisions and vince has to make his decisions well jeff you know and you know I, I, we thought we had a deal i said I, I don't know how you could think that i i, I was never i never signed anything and I, I never saw I, I never saw a contract I, I mean there was nothing and he goes well i thought we'd come to an agreement business to hot man, you don't want to go down to that place. And I'm like, this isn't, you know, I don't even know if he said that, but it was just pretty much chit chat, small talk, because at this point he knew the ship had sailed
0: it's done. Yeah.
1: Done. And, uh, I said, so Jim, here's, here's the situation. I want to make everybody's life easier from today, moving forward. I want to get out of your hair and not specifically you, Jim, but the WWF's hair. I, I want there to be a nice parting of the ways let's do our business today and move on you guys got a lot on your horizon public going public tomorrow you got raw you got smackdown you know upn that was a really big deal i mean smackdown was i it, I, it was i don't think uh we probably stressed enough on how big of a deal it was during that summer that quote unquote our television distribution doubled to a network i mean it was big 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 news i was on the very first smackdown and me and china had several cool um storylines you know uh i mean i was we did the mud match on that so smackdown was a big component of this so there was a lot going on in jim's eyes everybody's workload quote unquote exponentially went up it, it wasn't just at you know we're so common to it today and it's amazing you know WrestleMania week has Raw, SmackDown, Hall of Fame, NXT one, NXT two. I mean, there's so much we're doing it back in those days, it was raw and TV. I mean, it was raw and pay-per-view, raw and pay-per-view and live events. So adding another two hour network show was big business. Anyway, back to the story. So we're, we're, I said, listen, I want this real, he said, what do you got in mind? I said, I want to clean it up. I said, you know, the payoffs that I have coming to me, I said, I, 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 I really think it's best for everybody. I want to get paid for all the money I have coming for me. You know what that is, Jeff? And I said, as far as dates, I said, yeah, I know my live events that I hadn't got paid. And I said, I got the pay-per-views and we got the data cover. So I, I would like to clean all that up. Well, I don't know if we can do that, Jeff. I said, okay, I, I understand that you guys can't meet that then. I don't really know why I'm here. Yeah, I have zero leverage. When I leave today, Jim, you're an old timer. Like me, once I, once today's over, it's over.
0: You're going to, I want to add context to that because you said earlier, you felt like you'd been shortchanged on some payoffs. You specifically cited some loops that you were on with Dustin and you went back and you complained and they wrote another check, but as you said, you didn't know if it was necessarily making a correction as much as it was just placating you. Well, by God, that's because he's trying to keep his intercontinental champion happy and let's just keep the wheel going. But if you're going to another company, well, what's my motivation to fix your pay now, but all leverage, if you don't go ahead and square up right now, and you probably did have your quarterly checks for royalties. You had a track record of about what I'd been making on the house shows when it was the accurate number, not the low ball number. And you probably had a track record for what your pay-per-view payoffs were so in my head, we haven't talked about this. You add all that together and say, here's the number I think it is. And here's how I got to that number. Is that right?
1: So I, you know, let's it's three or four house show runs and, uh, two or three pay-per-views and I knew the number in my head, but I put on the negotiation hat. And I said, in in theory, you know, can we get this done? Well, and this went back and forth me, me and Jim a couple of times and I said, can I get my money today? Uh, Jeff, it ain't up to me. It's up to the old man. Okay. Find out. I I've, I've, I've just got time today, Jim. He got up, went back, did it. And, and, and I, I don't know exactly, but, but I know that I made them go first. What is the number?
0: They, you always make them go first. That's the best way to do it.
1: What, what is that number? And, you know, and, and this is where it gets into. And, and you know, I had so much time that day on my hands that I, I had the match in my mind. And I know Pat and China, and we'll get to that in a minute. But Pat Patterson and China are going over different ideas. They've got fish and guitars and flour and powder and, you know, the prep for all the match. And I'm sitting in the arena with my street clothes on talking to Jim Ross and Terry Taylor. and trying to figure this out. So there's a, it's a, it's an interesting set of circumstances going on, but Jim came back and said, yeah. And I said, well, what's the number? What, what are you paying me? Cause me trying to throw a number is, is, is something that you just don't do.
0: Yeah. You work down from that. So you let them start and you go up from that.
1: Yes. But also it's not, it's not like, Hey, I'm at the garden. I won't, uh five grand for my shot
0: yeah now, they always determine the payoff a hundred
1: percent then- that's and that's common ground and that's pretty a practical matter the promoter knows what the gross house is and knows what the expenses are the talent doesn't so it wasn't like out in ordinary that i'm saying hey you go you know conrad as a business person negotiation you you, you anchor the uh, negotiation I, I get all that that wasn't even my mindset you're gonna have to tell me what that number is so they came back with a number And I just sat there and I said, let me think on it. And so I think we got a deal, Jeff, let's get this done. Let's get this done. And then, you know, the whole idea of cash and I mean, it just gets so preposterous. The stories that have run down and bank wiring and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, how that story went from bank wiring and it's a Sunday. Does that even make sense to you?
0: Oh yeah. Let's mention that. From Bob Holly, he says Vince said he'd make sure Jeff Jarrett was paid, but Jeff said he wanted the money wired into his account immediately before he brought his bag and the IC belt in otherwise he was otherwise he was getting on a plane and going home. I thought it was wrong to do that. I sort of understood where he was coming from because sometimes it took up to six months to get our pay-per-view checks. He was owed a lot of money and I guess he was worried that Vince wouldn't pay him even so you don't hold somebody up like that management had spent so much money building up the match. As one of the main events, they couldn't turn it around. They had to deliver Jarrett versus China. And since Jarrett was the IC champ going in, he had Vince over a barrel. When Jarrett confirmed that his wife had the money over $300,000 had arrived in his account. He brought in his bag, got dressed and stayed away from everybody. Road dog being the loyal friend he is stayed by Jeff's side. So you see right there, uh, Bob is saying it was wired. I've always thought. I don't know many bank wires you can get done on a Sunday uh, 99? ever period. You can't get bank wires on Sunday. And then, uh, the other thing that we've heard is Jim Ross says somewhere in an interview that you wanted it and that you wanted it in cash. And when and he said, well, Jeff, there's no banks open on Sunday. What do we do? Supposedly they paid you in cash. Did they pay you in cash?
1: The whole, so I, it just, just think about that. I'm gonna get money wired on a Sunday, and my wife is gonna, it just oh boy. So, so um, it's it. I love the wrestling industry because you want you you want the fictitious story or you want the truth. So anyway, it's just crazy. No wiring. So anyway, so he came to me, um, and 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 look, the, the, look. I'm, I told you, you're in charge of topics. I'm in charge of truth so uh jim comes to me and they said we've sort of done pen to paper and we're thinking 150. we're we're thinking 150 we'll get it all cleaned up and i said okay all right jim 150 is what you think the number is you sure and we more or less did a head nod and i said you know jim Let me, let me think on this. And, and I said, this is going on in and blah, 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 all this. So he said, I'll be back and let's close this deal up. So however much time transpired half hour, one of those things, it might've been an hour, might've been 15 minutes, whatever it was. But when he came and sat back down, I said, Jim, remember how you changed the deal on me a year in? And he's like, well, yeah, I said, no, I said, that's, and I said, I understand all the reasons you did and I respect the hell out of it. But we kind of agreed, but we didn't really kind of agree on 150. I don't really agree with that right now. And I've had time to reflect on my last two years. So if we're gonna get a deal done, this place Gundarina is sold out for sure. And they've got a lot of WWE's money in their box office. So let's double that and get me to 300 and those are my payoffs. Cause I get a healthy payoff out of tonight because quote unquote, I'm doing the honors and give me a, the money out of Gundarena's bank, not WWE's bank and let's go to work. And he didn't like it. What did he say? He just, ah, oh, Jeff, you can't do that. I said, I totally. And I said, Jim, look me, please look at me. Cause I really want you to understand where I'm coming from. You're absolutely right. You do not have to do this. Vince does not have to do this. Nobody has to do this. I'm wanting my money to, to to, to and I'm talking about multiple pay-per-views, the scenario, I'm not under contract. Let's just end this deal one way or another. But I says you know as well as I do, tomorrow my value and payoffs are not even remotely important. They're kind of important today but it's y'all's decision on how important they are, not mine. It's not my decision at all. Okay. I'm gonna go talk to the old man. 30 minutes go by 45 minutes, go by whatever it may be. And Jim and Terry walked up and said, go get your bag, get dressed. We'll have it for you or you go to the ring. Said, Okay. I went and I'd seen China walking around multiple times. You know and
0: she's nervous it's her big night
1: it's her and and, and it, you know not that it was my responsibility to be worrying about her personal feelings but i did have some compassion for her i really did because look it was it was her night and and, and in so many ways and she deserved every bit of it there, there, without question she worked her ass off obviously she worked her ass off in the gym you know at that time the, you know her relationship i mean she she had done what it she deserved everything she was getting that night,
0: and it feels yeah. like if you're in her shoes, it might be in jeopardy now. Here we are, and it might not happen
1: for sure. Especially what happened on the month before pay per view happened on Raw. I throw her down the deal. Yeah, it, so, so all, all, everything going on, and this wasn't going to be look. How many? Well, I, I mean, I hadn't been in any good housekeeping matches, but I've been in plenty of ballroom brawls and moon dog matches. Yeah. No holes barred in cage. I've been in, you know, I've been in the business. So all kinds of gimmick matches. I had no problem putting together in my mind. No problem to 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 piece it together. I already had had in my mind the prior week leading up to it. We can do this and we can do that. I'd already had the match in my mind, pretty much laid out. But me and her hadn't discussed it, right? Uh, and then Pat had that because in. Man, we'll get to that in a second. I don't know where you want to go with it, if you want to go talk about the match now. But I mean, just Pat, I got to just throw this in there. So once we knew the match was going on, Pat, and and I'm trying to think who else, because I think Teddy Long. But, so, but Pat goes, Jeff, I can't do his accent, but he's like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw him a hell of a curve. And when he lays out that curve that it looks like I've, you know, DQ, whatever it was, that I, 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 we're going to get out of it, and the belt didn't switch in hands. I just said brilliant. I said the people will come unglued, the false finish that we gave them, but it was a DQ or whatever it was. But, but that was a Pat Patterson. I'm like, this is brilliant.
0: Well, let, let, since you brought up the match, let's talk about the match. But before we do, I want to, I want to circle back to two things. One. You asked for it out of the gun to count. And I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking, well, how you do that. But me being me, I, I just think you're thinking, <laughs> boy, if, if, if I convince them of this and they do something they don't really want to do, and they write me a check, you bet your ass before I get to the bank in the morning, that check has had a stop payment issued and it is as worthless as a notebook sheet of paper. A hundred percent. So if I ask for it from the gunned account, whatever the gate was that night, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand, whatever it is, it'll just be three hundred liked.
1: It's it's very simple, and and to tell you the truth, how much easier does it make it on everybody?
0: It is way easier, and and I think it's a stroke of genius. But I also love that because I'm such a nerd. When you filed your taxes that year, you got a fucking ten ninety nine from the gun. <laughs>
1: Oh, beautiful. Right? So
0: boy, God, I love the line. When you sit Jim Ross down and you know, this guy
1: down beside me, he wanted to do business. He didn't (laughs) have to walk out there,
0: but he did. (laughs) And he's, and he's, he's, uh, he's taking his lumps. Now you felt like he got over on you once before. And when he comes back to visit you the second or third time, whatever it is, and you said. Remember, Jim, when you changed my contract, like in that very moment, you didn't need any blue chew, did you?
1: <laughs> oh, you got your sponsor in there, did you? I
0: get it. It's a wrestling podcast, but he's saving us money on our mortgage. You really trust this process? The reviews don't lie. Five star review after five star review. We make it fast. We make it easy, and it's no cost or obligation. Give us a shot to earn your business. I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did, especially if you like keeping more of your own money, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? Hurry to save with Conrad.com. But serious business, this has to feel like I got you right. It's a receipt. I think they call it in wrestling.
1: That is what uh, t- to me. And I don't think I ever voiced it to um i know i never voiced it to jill i never me and my accountant had conversations and i didn't really that was embarrassing to me to to talent so I, i i don't know that any talent really knew the depths of that but but it was a real ball shot to me um that i didn't forget and would i have handled it today the same way no of course not it's a You know, that age, that stage of career, we all got egos in this industry, everything that goes with it, knowing that candidly, and this is something that a lot of times is completely glossed over. I had worked in WCW prior. I did not want to go back. It's that simple. Vince McMahon and the WWF and Madison Square Garden. And Raw and SmackDown, the prestige. I'm a third generation guy. WWF is where stars are made. I did not want to leave. And I had some deep anger and resentment toward JR because it was very obvious. If I'm going to feed my family, I got to go.
0: Well, I do want to circle back to this because I feel like this is worth mentioning, especially when you said, Boy, when I do it that way today, you're a 32 year old man here. Yeah. 32. You're still a puppy. Yeah. I'm back to remind you this week
2: of all the exclusive content you can find right now at adfreeshows.com. Not only are all your favorite wrestling podcasts early and ad free, but there's so much bonus content in the archives that you could literally spend weeks, hell months, catching up on all the content that you can't find anywhere else. Listen up, adfreeshows.com also has all the past exclusive StarCast interviews available to you, including AEW's own CM Punk and his memorable interview with PW Insider Mike Johnson from his hometown in Chicago in 2019. I'm sure you don't miss the politics or fighting or trying to get your way or making others understand your vision, but do you miss the performance of it? Do you miss getting in the ring? Do you miss calling spots? Do you miss performing and having people react the way that they did when you walked out on stage today? That aspect of it, is there any part of you that still misses it or have you moved on? Sign up now and you can hear Punk's response to this and so many other great questions as we all enjoy this amazing roller coaster ride in wrestling, there's never been a better complimentary piece to your wrestling fandom than becoming a member at AdFreeShows.com
0: right now. And of course, there's tons of controversy from walking out on events to uh, you know flirting with the Horseman and then coming back and the whole Austin 316 thing. Then the narrative about holding up vents, we're going to get into all the details there, but I think what I'm most interested in is the whole evolution of TNA and the business side, not just your in-ring stuff, but the promotional side, because, you know, obviously we get a lot of that type of talk from, from Eric and we get a lot of creative from Bruce, but with you, we get a little bit of both. Right?
1: Yeah. And you know, uh, over the last couple of years, um, it things are obviously hindsight not just 2020 but a, a different perspective and i really look at 2002 to 2009 maybe into 10 w- was tna and 2010 on is really impact It's it's almost two two different if you will so so yes uh the 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 international growth i think a, a lot of times that story's never really, I know it's never been told. It's it's pretty remarkable. The 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 Jack Specific and the video game and 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 Marvel Toys, the business components that all went into it and how it got off the ground when we launched our, our uh live event business and 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 that, you know, we're uh you know, WWE 40 years in the market at that time or 50 years. And so just the comparables, but Uh, and obviously the Carter family and, and their core energy is energy. They didn't understand entertainment whatsoever. Uh, and, and really weren't supposed to candidly. Uh, so yeah, there's, um, yeah, all facets and all sides uh, of creative talent, production, marketing, financing, the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between.
0: (laughs) Well, give me a, um, give me a taste here. I'm going to put you on the spot Uh Been pretty controversial Uh over the years. Why were you so adamant that we needed to stick with a six sided ring?
1: Uh, where do I start? Um, and obviously I didn't come up with it. Saw it in Mexico, but when you are in different television meetings, uh, specifically where, when you're in, uh, uh toy vendors, uh, and really the overall licensing program, uh, battling not battling, but you know, what makes you stand out from WWE, I, 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 I can never. I'll never forget it. And I thought to myself, if I could get, you know, Sting wasn't a fan of it. Um, Hulk wasn't a fan of it. Uh, th- there's there's multiple guys. If they were in the meetings, because hell, I'm a wrestler. I, I, I know how to bounce off ropes uh, or, or th- thought I did. So working in a four sided ring versus six sided ring, if you've got a problem with that, grow up. But but uh, but but as far as uh, you, you sitting in a, a meeting and they say, oh, you got a six sided ring, you got instant shelf space. That, that's a game changer in adding zeros to the bottom line. So knowing that it set our brand apart, knowing that when you're quote unquote changing channels and everybody wanted to hang on that one statement, yeah. But 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 when you look at UFC and as hot as they were in that era, you know they they were 2002 and then I'll f- fast forward to when we were doing the six-sided ring. So six-sided ring and the octagon. You know, obviously I know there's two sides difference, but. Just how it made it stood out, stand out the different things we could do with it. It just made us different, but not so far out that, oh my God, you can't have a wrestling match that that was nonsense to me, but, but it was a game changer in licensing, if that isn't a good enough reason, I'll give you 10 more, but that was a game changer in licensing.
0: But you said shelf space. So I'm assuming you're talking about from a toy standpoint, like when you're-
1: Walmart's Toy back at, at, during those time, and I know there's some Toys R Us fans on here. Uh, I've got five kids, so I'm well aware of Toys R Us and the bills. But yes, uh, those are the two main uh, toy folks. We flew to uh, Wal- uh Arkansas and had our Walmart meetings. But yes, they they said if you have a dip because that's that that takes up shelf space. That is a big mover in you know action figures. You there there's a whatever it is a WWE action figure a tna action figure they're all relatively the same what makes you different and i knew the six sided ring had components for an ultimate x six sides of steel a lot of different components but our ring would set us apart and immediately when you're walking down the aisle to soccer mom susie who has really no clue of any type of brand if little johnny wants the six sided it's a sale he doesn't care what brand it is. And that happens all the time, not just in wrestling, uh, figures, but, but in all forms of, of toys, you want that shelf space and that changes the game.
0: Well, it's also a higher price point, which is more money for the retailer too. So kind of a bigger item, a bigger sale, but perhaps are you suggesting that if you didn't have the six sided ring, they might not have carried the TNA figures either. I'm positive
1: of that. It's, it's not if it, 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 it that the six-sided ring changed our licensing game if you will uh you know the brand as far as selling video games acclaim and all that came with it and yeah, yeah we made some money off that but our licensing the, the entire line uh as silly as it may sound is it, it's a very accurate it changed our world in the in the licensing
0: well, and the name of our show is My World. And uh, tonight is all about you guys asking questions. So I just wanted to give you an idea of what we might be talking about here on the show. This is obviously not something we had planned. We're just shooting from the hip. There's no research for this, but
1: to say the least.
0: I just wanted everybody to know, and I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna confess my sins here as as I know that Lauren and Paul are compiling some questions for us. I have uh <sighs> At times, referred to you on my shows as the human fast forward button. (laughs) Um, yeah, buddy, I was we've made fun of your strut and your music and your gimmick and your gear, a lot of fun of your gear, but that's not what we're talking about here on the show. We're talking about the business and the behind the scenes, but yeah, I probably have a guitar shot coming my way for all that now.
1: Well, let's just take a time out. So, so. You self professed, you had issues with all the above you said, but who did you repeatedly say, I want him, uh, uh, as a, uh, as a podcast, uh, uh co-host. I mean, so I've
0: consistently I've given two names, you and Paul Heyman. And I think you have a fantastic story unlike any other. And I know that, you know, we're just scratching the surface here tonight, but You've overcome so many personal tragedies. You're in recovery. You lost your wife to cancer. You've had a falling out with your dad. You've been nearly bankrupt from the wrestling business. You've been with no opportunity and then created your own. And I've joked with you privately that if cats have nine lives, somehow Jarrett's have 10, you have reinvented yourself over and over and over. And you always find yourself in a better spot on the other side. And I don't know if that's just your attitude or your perseverance or your, you know, your positive outlook or whatever. But the idea that you have persevered through all of this and done phenomenally well, uh, I am fascinated by your story and I can't wait to talk about it from being a little kid in Memphis to starting your own company and everything in between.
1: Yeah. And human fast forward machine. We've got some wrestling to talk about too. My friend, go back and check my ratings (laughs) back in the nineties. Check those quarter hours, as they say.
0: Well, listen, I'm excited to watch you smash Beetlejuice with a guitar every day. I mean, if I could start every day with you crumpling him with a guitar. It would be a good day. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks and a few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end. When people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so. What's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over paid for by NHTSA. Deborah debuts just one week later on October 19th. Um, when did you know that you two are going to be based around or going around, you know, sort of based on teaming together about the blazer? Was it based on you two having, you know, a real life friendship or, um, you, you have a similar look at this point now that you have short hair? I mean, hell Zach Ryder even points out all the time that your action figure from Jax was really just an Owen figure with a goatee. It he, I guess that's accurate,
1: right? I mean, yeah, I mean, they
0: didn't do. And really, if you know, if I'm honest with you, I don't know that I would have invested in a Jeff Jarrett mold. You know, I, I hated your ass. So I'd have been like, yeah, just put a mustache on Owen. Who gives a
1: shit? <laughs> you hated me then, I hate you now. So you can-
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, chat me up though. You, you're getting to work with your old pal here, and, and Deborah's now gonna be a part of the package. Um is this fun or something that he's like, man?
1: Wait, wait you, Blazer teamed up before me and Owen teamed up. No, oh, I don't believe that's accurate. I believe it's me and Owen. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, Not Owen is the blazer. What I recall, though, of, of, well, of well,
0: well, the gimmick is Owen's denying that he's the blazer. Let me jog your memory on that. So Owen's on the show.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's those
0: blue blazer. But he's like, oh, that's not. It's the old Dusty Roads Midnight Rider gimmick.
1: And me and Owen came together, and I can remember we got to Mania with it. But it's like they put us together, and we came through the curtain, and it was like. Oh my God, you guys tore the house down. What a match. You look great coming together through the curtain. You did this and me and Owen chuckling like, well, what did they think? Did they think that we were going to be all in water out there because teaming with Owen again, smooth in the transitions and we both grew up in the industry. We knew how to work tag matches. And I'll say this, there's a lot of guys to this day, but it's always been that way. I mean, guys, and when they would come through in the territory, that that would go to the ring and 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 really have two singles matches and a tag match they didn't really know the transitions and owen again you know whether it was growing up in the business or working in japan or working with coco or being around the wwf product for a long time uh or just having ring smarts he knew how to work a tag match and and uh, by, by, by my upbringing i did too so them putting us together our, our in-ring work came so natural on so many things, but it caught people off guard and me and Owen were amused by that. Always. We were always amused. Like, did they think we were going to be a terrible team together? Right. I mean, just it, I, I, that never really clicked in our brain.
3: Well,
0: was he hesitant to do the, the whole pairing with you? I mean, obviously Deborah's going to be by your side and, and, and a really important part of the package, but the rumor and innuendo is they wanted to try to start maybe some sort of a, a, a love triangle type situation with Owen and Deborah, and he turned it down. The idea I, being, I would
1: love for, for a researcher or someone to look because going through the curtain, when we teamed, I don't believe it was ever me, Deborah, Owen, as far as coming down the ramp, uh, maybe it was maybe, but Owen always made sure he positioned that I was in the middle. Deborah was on the side, one side, he's on the there was no interaction. He, he fundamentally believed that I respected that understood that, but he wasn't going to be seen as a, it was Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett with Deborah. It wasn't Owen and Jeff with Deborah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm not saying you guys are teaming, but I'm saying you, you're, you're, you're working together. You're in programs together. Yeah. Yep. And, and the idea being perhaps Deborah could, could be. You Know that was common in storylines back then, you know, she's with this guy or she's with that guy, or oh, she's gonna Sonny had done it very well just a few years prior. You know, who is she with now? And, and 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 the rumor, and I guess you sort of confirmed it, Owen wasn't about that life.
1: No, sir. He 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 wasn't up for it under any stretch of the imagination. Um, and that was and you know, maybe him and 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 Russo or him and Ferrar or or him and I don't know, Pat or or others. Might have tabled it, but I would be willing to bet my life that Owen would have shot it down. He just wasn't And that. That's the deal. He, he wasn't going to do it no matter. And people knew that they, no matter what kind of money, he just wasn't up for it. He wasn't doing it. It's
0: interesting. Creative too. I want to remind everybody that we're talking October 9th uh October 19th, rather uh, the Bradley center at Milwaukee. Uh, it's, um, 12,157 fans there that night. It's Raw as War. Steve Blackman gets the win over Jeff Jarrett by DQ because the Blue Blazer interfered and attacked Blackman. And then Al Snow comes to make the save, but he gets a guitar shot for his troubles. And the next time we see something with Deborah in a big way is uh, November 1st. And you're going to get a win over Val Venus uh, in a very short match, uh, two minutes and 26 seconds. But Deborah and Terry are going to get into it at ringside. And after the bout, Terry apologizes to Venus before announcing she's pregnant. And Venus says, uh, the baby's her problem. He wants nothing to do with it. And I bet Owen wanted nothing to do with any of this. Uh, but the next day you guys do a taping, cause in this era, you would have a live raw Monday. And then on a Tuesday you would tape for the following week. So the next week it's Val versus Jeff Jarrett, the blue blazer interferes and crotches Val on the top rope. So he's still, as you said earlier, positioned to sort of be the savior from all of this nonsense that's happening in the world wrestling federation.
1: Yeah. And I was just sitting here thinking about just recalling all that is that, and I go back to my earlier statement and, and, and the first time meeting Brett, they had a viewpoint and I'm not saying right or wrong, but, but that I always was taught, I I guess, and viewed it as I'm going to play a role. Right. And if it's an extension of my personality, all the better, but to really get into it, you got to get into and believe that role. Owen had the same mindset. But he wasn't willing to play that role. Although he knew hundred percent, it is a role or was a role. He just wasn't up for that at, at all. But, um, the, 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 blue blazer, he had fun with it. He, you know, him having to carry the, probably the thing the most aggravating the most about the whole deal is I don't want to carry two sets of boots. And he wrestled many a time with Owen Hart boots being on the, no, he would carry blue What would the boot. Anyway, he didn't like to travel with two pairs of boots. He did cause they were Owen Hart boots and blue blazer boots, but that's probably his biggest aggravation <laughs> during that, during that, uh, loop.
0: Uh, Deborah debuts just one week later on October 19th. Um, when did you know that you two are going to be based around or going around, you know, sort of based on teaming together about the blazer? Was it based on you two having, you know, a real life friendship or. Um, you, you, have a similar look at this point now that you have short hair. I mean, hell Zach Ryder even points out all the time that your action figure from Jack's was really just an Owen figure with a goatee. It, he, uh, I guess that's accurate, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, they didn't do. And really, if you know, if I'm honest with you, I don't know that I would have invested in a Jeff Jarrett mold. You know, I, I hated your ass, so I'd have been like, Yeah, but, just put a mustache on Owen. I, Who gives a you, shit? You hated me then, I hate
1: you now. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, chat me up though. You, you're getting to work with your old pal here, and, and Deborah's now going to be a part of the package. Um, is this fun or something that he's like, Man,
1: wait, wait you Blazer teamed up before me and Owen teamed up. No, I don't believe that's accurate. I believe it's me and Owen. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not Owen is the Blazer. What I recall, though, of. of, well, of well, well, the
0: gimmick is Owen's denying that he's the Blazer. Let me jog your memory on that. So, Owen's on the show.
1: Yes. Yeah, so it's those
0: Blue Blazer, but he's like, oh, that's not. It's the old Dusty Rhodes Midnight Rider gimmick.
1: And me and Owen came together, and I can remember we got to Mania with it, but it's like they put us together and we came through the curtain, and it was like. Oh my God, you guys tore the house down. What a match. You look great coming together through the curtain. You did this and me and Owen chuckling like, well, what did they think? Did they think that we were going to be all in water out there because teaming with Owen again, smooth in the transitions and we both grew up in the industry. We knew how to work tag matches. And I'll say this, there's a lot of guys to this day, but it's always been that way. I mean, guys, and when they would come through in the territory, that, that would go to the ring and, and, and really have two singles matches and a tag match. They didn't really know the transitions and Owen again, you know, whether it was growing up in the business or working in Japan or working with Coco or being around the WWF product for a long time, uh, or just having ring smarts, he knew how to work a tag match and, and uh, by, by, by my upbringing, I did too. So them putting us together. Our our in ring work came so natural on so many things, but it caught people off guard. And me and Owen were amused by that. Always, we were always amused. Like, did they think we were going to be a terrible team together? Right. I mean, just it, I, I, that never really clicked in our brain.
0: Was he hesitant to do the the whole pairing with you? I mean, obviously Deborah's going to be by your side and, and and a really important part of the package. But the rumor and innuendo. Is they wanted to try to start maybe some sort of a, a a love triangle type situation with Owen and Deborah, and he turned it down. The idea. I'd being-
1: love for for a researcher or someone to look because going through the curtain when we teamed, I don't believe it was ever me, Deborah, Owen as far as coming down the ramp. Uh, maybe it was, maybe but Owen always made sure he positioned that I was in the middle. Deborah was on the side one side, he's on the. There was no interaction. He, he fundamentally believed that I respected that understood that, but he wasn't going to be seen as a, it was Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett with Deborah. It wasn't Owen and Jeff with Deborah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you,
0: I'm not saying you guys are teaming, but I'm saying you, you're, you're, you're working together. You're in programs together. Yeah. yeah. And, and the idea being perhaps Deborah could, could be. You know, that was common in storylines back then. You know, she's with this guy or she's with that guy, or oh, she's gonna Sonny had done it very well just a few years prior. You know, who is she with now? And and and, and the rumor, and I guess you sort of confirmed it, Owen wasn't about that life.
1: No, sir. He 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 wasn't up for it under any stretch of the imagination. Um, and that was and you know, maybe him and 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 Russo or him and Ferrar or or him and I don't know, Pat or or others. Might have tabled it, but I would be willing to bet my life that Owen would have shot it down. He just wasn't and that. That's the deal. He, he wasn't going to do it no matter. And people knew that they, no matter what kind of money, he just wasn't up for it. He wasn't doing it.
0: It's interesting. Creative too. I want to remind everybody that we're talking October 9th uh October 19th, rather uh, the Bradley center at Milwaukee. Uh, it's, um, 12,157 fans there that night. It's raw as war Steve Blackman gets the win over Jeff Jarrett by DQ because the blue blazer interfered and attacked Blackman. And then Al snow comes to make the save, but he gets a guitar shot for his troubles. And the next time we see something with Deborah in a big way is uh, November 1st, and you're going to get a win over Val Venus, uh, in a very short match, uh, two minutes and 26 seconds, but Deborah and Terry are going to get into it at ringside and after the bout, Terry apologizes to Venus before announcing she's pregnant. And Venus says, uh, the baby's her problem. He wants nothing to do with it. And I bet Owen wanted nothing to do with any of this. Uh, but the next day you guys do a taping because in this era, you would have a live raw Monday and then on a Tuesday you would tape for the following week. So the next week it's Val versus Jeff Jarrett, the blue blazer interferes and crotches Val on the top rope. So he's still, as you said earlier, positioned to sort of be the savior from all of this nonsense that's happening in the world wrestling federation.
1: Yeah. And I was just sitting here thinking about just recalling all that is that, and I go back to my earlier statement and, and, and the first time meeting Brett, they had a viewpoint and I'm not saying right or wrong, but, but that I always was taught, I I guess, and viewed it as I'm going to play a role. Right. And if it's an extension of my personality, all the better, but to really get into it, you got to get into and believe that role. Owen had the same mindset. But he wasn't willing to play that role. Although he knew a hundred percent, it is a role or was a role. He just wasn't up for that at, at all. But, um, the, 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 the blue blazer, he had fun with it. He, you know, him having to carry the, probably the thing, the most aggravating the most about the whole deal is I don't want to carry two sets of boots. And he wrestled many a time with Owen Hart boots being on the, no, he would carry blue What over the boot. Anyway, he didn't like to travel with two pairs of boots. He did cause they were Owen Hart boots and blue blazer boots, but that's probably his biggest aggravation <laughs> during the, during that, uh, loop. Uh,
0: November 16th, you're in Lexington, Kentucky at the Rupp arena. Uh, Steve Blackman and Goldust are going to beat Jeff Jarrett in the blue blazer when Blackman pins the blazer with a martial arts kick. But after the bout, he's trying to unmask the blazer until he's double teamed, uh, by Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett. So we're still trying to deny, uh, that, that Owen Hart is the blue blazer.
1: I wonder who the blue blazer was that night. It's I'm sure it's just a, an extra or enhancement guy, but it doesn't say, does it? In your recall, no. No, November 30th,
0: 1998, you're in Baltimore, and uh, Goldust would beat Jeff Jarrett by DQ when Owen Hart, who was providing guest commentary for the bout, interferes and attacks Goldust, and then moments later the Blue Blazer appears and decks Owen with a clothesline and a shoulder block before revealing himself as Steve Blackman. So he wasn't the first fake blazer, but he is the second fake blazer. It's nice. The creative they've sort of woven in here of is he, or isn't he. Um, and I guess this is, you know, decent enough stuff. The debut of Owen and Jeff as a tag team happens on December 27th, 1998. Uh, it's a Sunday night heat win over Godfather and Val Venus. Was there ever a long-term plan for you guys, do you think as a tag team, or was it
1: simply just a stop on the road creatively? You just recalled something and jogged my memory. Is that what happens? A little sidebar with your yeah. Eric or Kerr yeah. jogging the memory. Yes, sir. Interesting. Because I think at that point that the blue blazer was let's, we tried the mystery and, and, and I'm getting the vibe of that recall that, okay, let's just go with Jeff and Owen as a team you know, okay. So we're doing the blue blazer thing. Owen doesn't want to get into whatever it may be. I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were teamed. So we teamed for the first time on heat, right?
0: Yeah. December 27th. I should mention, cause this sort of, you know, supports your point. that The blue blazer was trying to keep us guarded from some of the, uh, so I always say risque content, December 13th, uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia at the rock bottom pay-per-view. We've got Goldust beating Jeff Jarrett by a reverse decision in 803. You originally pinned Goldust with a Russian leg sweep after Deborah interfered, and uh, Goldust uh, was hit over the head with with Jarrett's guitar. And then Shawn Michaels comes out, congratulates Jeff, sends him to the back, and then gives Goldust the win by DQ due to the use of the guitar. And then he orders Deborah to strip down to nothing as the pre-match stipulation stated, and Deborah reluctantly begins to strip down, and then of course. Here comes Jeff Jarrett and the blue blazer to help her cover up and take her backstage. So
1: just wait, when it feels wait, like we're going to get, he came out and gave that step Shawn Michaels.
0: Well, it was, it was going into it. And if I lose, you know, Deborah get naked,
1: I I it, but I am just, it's curious if they picked Sean,
0: well, this is before he was,
1: you know, no, I'm saying the heartbreak kid, but he de- doesn't sound like,
0: well, he was the commissioner at this point. So he's no longer in the ring is the commissioner. Okay. He finished up get, at WrestleMania 14. It. He's still uh I got you. He's living the lifestyle. He's not yet sort of been reborn. If you I
1: wasn't even going there with that. I was just saying, why did they pick Sean? But if he's commissioner, he's commissioner. I didn't know if it was off the Sean. I don't know.
0: Got Let's you. keep it going. Uh, very quickly, you and Owen win the tag titles over Boss Man and Ken Shamrock. It's a Monday night raw, and the damn blue blazer gives you a little bit of help here. Uh so yeah, now you're tag champs. Was there ever a team name thrown around for the two of you?
1: There wasn't, and me and Owen wanted to stay, Jeff and Owen, or whatever it may be, not the bookend tag team, you know, that type, uh, we weren't opposed to it, but we wanted to keep going. But I can remember from us putting us together and people being surprised. Oh, wow. Y'all make a good team. And then me and Owen, like, man, if they will just sink their teeth into it, DX was red hot at the time. We, we wanted to get into a, a, I mean, really sink our teeth into a storyline with a team and keep it rolling because you know me and owen and, and this is in the car rides or wherever it may be in the gym that we can get over whoever needs to get over as long as we leave whether dq whatever it is keep us with the belts it would have uh, we, we could have built equity in that we were really at, at this time at both of our careers um i i can say that, that we really were both invested Let's ride this thing out. Let us let's, let's, let's go for the long haul of us being a team.
0: You get the win on January 25th, 1999 on raw in Phoenix, Arizona. Again, you beat boss, man, and Ken Shamrock, you hold the title for 64 days until you lose them to Ken, uh, Kane and Pac. <laughs> but all these years later, that's your only tag team championship run in the WWF, right? You and Owen.
1: Yes, that's it. Yeah. And, and, a, and a relatively small window. Uh, but, but, uh. Again, uh, you know, the attitude era being as hot as it was, but going out on the road and we got a chance to work with, uh, Brian and Billy new age outlaws, there, there were a couple of those that I just remember, wow, this is, you know, those guys were red hot. DX was hot. The business was hot, but me and Owen, uh, certainly, uh, enjoyed our tag matches.
0: Little peek behind the curtain this past weekend, Megan and I had to do a little bit of traveling, so unfortunately we had to board our dogs. Uh, it's not exactly my favorite thing to do. I want my dogs to be with me all the time, but what sucks is when we came home, it was too late for us to pick them up. So I actually had a day here at home without the dogs and it just felt weird. And I've decided I need to keep those little rugrats around as long as I can. And I know you feel the same way about your dogs, which is why we should all be using solid gold. Here's a little heads up. Did you know that 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut? What we're talking about is making sure that our animals are getting the proper diet, it's going to keep them healthy. It's going to keep them happy. I'm telling you, it's a game changer for me, especially if I know, Hey man, there's just a certain type of food that I can do that will extend my dog's life. I know that sounds dramatic, but the lady who founded solid gold is a lady named Sissy McGill and Sissy actually discovered that European great Danes outlive their American counterparts. As a friend of ours might say, what's up with that? It was all the food, dude. So solid gold stepped out and said, let's change something. They've created a nutritional platform inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pets, mind, body, and spirit. I absolutely love solid gold because I love my dogs and I know you do too. Just check it out for me. Here's what you'll see when you look at solid gold. They've revolutionized the holistic pet food category. They have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs. They've got everything from healthy whole grain to grain free to wet food to supplements like sea meal and even 100% human grade bone broth for dogs. Solid Gold Foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, they balance with living probiotics and they fuel with omega-3 and six fatty acids. This best supports gut health and nourishes your pet inside and out. If you love your dog like we love ours right now, go save thirty percent on Select Solid Gold Products at SolidGoldpet.com slash my world. That's SolidGoldpet.com slash my world to save thirty percent on Select Solid Gold Products. Remember, that's SolidGoldpet.com slash myworld. Why would not you just try this? Don't your dogs deserve the best? Go to SolidGoldpet.com slash my world and just take a look. You'll be glad you did. Let's um Let's also mention you know I, I don't know if this is a thing or not, but it's out there that for whatever reason and we're talking about more more of that some other time. Austin was not real fond of old Double J <laughs> and it's also been said that even when Austin would maybe get out of his lane personally, the person who could always sort of talk him off the ledge so to speak, is his old pal and confidant Jim Ross. Do you think that plays into any of this at any point?
1: I mean, I don't have to, you don't have to be a rocket science. You you just don't. I mean, and, and to Jim's credit, um, his passion for the, for look, his job was obviously booking live events and being the greatest voice in wrestling. And again, Jerry Lawler, one of my mentors, my father's partner, um, you know, we're talking 97, I mean, so, so there is a. We, we've all been in this industry a long time, but one of Jim's big roles was keep his quote unquote dressing room happy. And most notably keep your top stars happy because the ones it, it's just that simple. And so it, it absolutely, I, I, again, I don't want to get long winded and, and go off on a chan- tangent, but your question was, do you think mine and Austin's relationship was a factor in Jim's viewpoint of me? A thousand percent.
0: Let's talk about the observer in recent weeks, Russo's relationship with Austin had deteriorated Russo himself categorized Austin as the hardest person to work with in the company, feeling that since Austin's popularity skyrocketed after working hard for so many years in the business, that he was deathly afraid his popularity would fall back to the same level just as quickly. The major heat of late was Russo's booking Austin in a program to elevate Jeff Jarrett and Austin turning it down, feeling such a program when a guy who isn't over at a main event level would diminish his popularity. McMahon sided with Austin in this dispute. So we're going to talk more about that another time. I'm sure, but it wasn't exactly a secret that Russo and Jr and Vince McMahon and yourself and Austin, we're all sort of in the washing machine at this point. <laughs>
1: But uh, Stone Cold didn't have a problem giving me stunner week after week. No, no, he was fine with that. <laughs> um, so you don't really stun a guy uh, unless you're going to get a reaction. But hey, it, look, again, you got to take into account, I'm a lifer in the industry. Things can change on a dime. I always thought in my mind, look, Steve, and then we'll get into the Dallas episodes. And he was being trained by gentleman, Chris Adams. and my dad wanted new talent in the USWA era, uh, you know, t- you know, uh, area up here in Tennessee, not Dallas and brought him up. Who, who did Jerry Jarrett pick to come to Dallas? Steve. Of course. So, so I mean, th- there, there's a long r- relationship that I, I really thought in my, maybe delusional, but I'm
0: optimistic. You thought, oh, we'll overcome this. We'll work through it. We'll business. it
1: you don't, we don't have to go eat turkey dinner together. It's. But- Yes.
0: but eventually, and, 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 I never put this together until I started actually doing research for the show here. You're a six time intercontinental champion at this point <clears throat> and for years. And I realize it's different these days, but we got to go back to the context of, of the mid and late nineties when guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and, and the rock and Steve Austin and triple H and on and on. When they win the intercontinental title, it's a sign that they're one step away from being world champion. They're one step away from main eventing, pay-per-views, being the top card, getting the big, you know, two comma paydays They're one step away. And you didn't have that belt one time you held it six times. And now the guy who has that big belt is making it pretty plain. I ain't working with him. So if you're in the business to make money which everyone listening to this gets up, takes a shower, gets dressed and goes to the office every day to make money. You got to wonder at some point, Hey, what's my upward mobility with this company? Is there an opportunity for me to advance my position, to improve my income, to get a promotion, to get a new title, to move up within this company. And you've been here, I guess we could call it. Let's make it a real, you know, fundamental thing. You're the assistant store manager six times in a row. Am I ever going to be manager? And it looks like it is not going to happen. Is that fair to say? A
1: hundred percent. And, and you know, look the the ebb and flow of the, the industry and as hot as raw was and the churn of the angles and the talent, and he worked with Kane, he worked with taker. He, I mean, he worked with a lot of big guys. I, in my mind was I'm the perfect antidote because I'm going to flap my jaws. I'm going to get heat. And Steve's going to beat me from pillar to post all over the place. And, and I can sneak out of there with a little heat I'm not saying beating, but you know, there's ways I was a, I yeah. was a being to a lot of the Yang heels he had been working with. That's the slant that, and that R- Russo actually tw- often had that conversation. And I'm like, it's where are we going with this? I don't know, brother, but you just said at the very top of that quote, that, that I think Melter said that, did Russo say that Steve was the most difficult to work with?
0: Yeah. Russo himself categorized Austin as the hardest person to work with in the company.
1: Okay. When you're the top guy, you're always going to have that negative connotation. I, I mean, I'm sure at times people said, man, that damn John Cena is hard to deal with. He's wanting this. No, there's a reason they're on top. Jerry Lawler was quote unquote difficult to work with in memphis at from times because and he was a damn owner it's right. just the nature of the beast of course steve is very protective of his spot because that's how this business works when you get your quote unquote spot on top you want to do i mean randy savage you know my dad used to say, that's the most paranoid human being in the world and he yeah. ooze i mean just he ooze charisma and randy could have a match with anybody and it whether it's hogan or tito or or, or steamboat all, all this, but Randy was always on edge wanting to protect that spot. And I always looked at Steve being the same way, but, but you get on the personal side and we've been the Deborah and we've been the Jr and we've all the funky mess, but in my mind, and this is where, uh, I, to this day, I'll, I'll, I just wasn't completely aware of how complicated things were that I wasn't, I, I mean, involved I, in,
0: yeah. I get it. It's a wrestling podcast, but he's saving us money on our mortgage. Do you really trust this process? The reviews don't lie. Five-star review after five-star review. We make it fast. We make it easy. And it's no cost or obligation. Give us a shot to earn your business. I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did, especially if you like keeping more of your own money. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? Hurry to savewithconrad.com. So let's mention briefly at Unforgiven, Deborah turns on you, hits you with a guitar, uh, that gives China the win and the intercontinental title, but Dr. Tom comes out and reverses the decision to give you back your title. And, uh, there's a rumor going around at the time that Steve Austin requested that Deborah be separated from you because now their relationship is advancing. Is that the same thing you heard?
1: Yes. And I knew I, you, you could, I mean. Me and Paul Bear were on a plane. Percy Pringle on a plane going overseas when their relationship first started, and 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 Percy gigged me and said, well, "Buddy, your act's over." Just as a joke, I yeah. mean a joke. But he, you know, Paul, had been around Percy, whatever you want to call him, he'd been around mm-hmm. a long time. He knew, he he knew. But the act was really hot, and I didn't really know if 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 that was going to be true what vince's thought was what russo's thought was just where it was all going to go but i I knew that was way out of my control uh, you know completely but but you could see the writing on the wall leading up to uh the charlotte pay-per-view it's worth mentioning yeah because and when i just sit there when you like tom pritchard the 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 scab referee when you think through all that think how long the Jarrett's and the pritchards have done business together yeah, it's I bet him 88, 89. That's crazy. Anyway, it's a sidebar.
0: So of course, when you say the, um, uh, the Charlotte pay-per-view you're talking about Unforgiven 99, of course, the next pay-per-view is rebellion. Uh, that's a UK pay-per-view. You cut a promo offering a thousand pounds to any woman who can prove your point that women belong in the kitchen. And then you put the, put the figure forward, a random woman in the front row. Who was that do you remember i have no idea
1: (laughs) somebody i I don't know i'd love i i need we need to pull that up uh ad free community out there we got to figure out who that lady was uh but man you you talk about again um i'm sure that was a hell of a house in the european tours you know uh back then still just twice a year and you know it it was um i I don't want to call that the peak of the the uk scene but you know, getting over there and Summerslam 88, I wouldn't a part of that, but you know, now we're into about 10 years, uh, of, of, of WWF events in the UK and to get a pay-per-view and as hot as the business was here in the States, I, I just, the arena was rocking and the storyline was perfect. And again, China was super over, just super over.
0: So we all know the, the story we're getting to, you're going to hold up Vince for money. Um, Let's just talk about money for a minute. Was there something that happened during your first run in the company? You know, back in 95, that made you think they're going to mess with my money. Or, or exactly. I well, at any point, I guess, I mean, you know, I, I just know this was your second act. So was there. You know, I I know we're, we're sort of bouncing around, but at the end of the day, the, the gist of this story is about money and a lot of times in, in business and certainly in regards to money, it comes down to trust. Had the company lost your trust during your first run?
1: Not during my first run at all. I was paid very well. I came in on a contract of, we're going to pay you 150 bucks if we book you. I mean, there was no contract in 93, none, no guaranteed money and all that. Uh, uh, uh so so they between 93 and 96 there was no money issues paid very well uh from coming in as the double j to the razor ramon uh diesel run and all that no zero i i was paid very well and and uh you know i'm in my mid-20s traveling the world <laughs> I, I was having a blast so but no so nothing else on the first run well, the business
0: changes, and by the time you come back in '97, and we're going to talk about that whole '97 run in great detail, especially that first promo that everybody wants to talk about. <laughs> um, and but, me too now. But you came into a a a much better financial situation in '97 than you left a few years prior, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes, and and the business had really, you know, and I know the 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 your listeners are are very in tune with you know, the new generation era to the attitude era and, and, and how the business skyrocketed and the NWO and guaranteed money and nitro was blowing and going. So y- yes, th- things from a guaranteed money, it, it, you know, everyone knows that when Holland Nash said, Hey Eric, yes, we'll happily jump, but you got to yeah. guarantee us money and the second smartest man of all of uh, professional wrestling, Mr. Barry Bloom cashed in again. But the guaranteed money changed the game.
0: So back in 98, Deborah McMichael comes over from WCW and joins you. And as you progress through 99, there's a lot going on with you in the WWF. What's interesting is, and boy, this is weird to talk about, but I guess we have to, people know that there is, and we're going to do a whole episode on it, but people know there is some animosity. Uh, on the Steve Austin side of things towards you from old stuff and we're going to talk about that yeah.
1: you're throwing so many physics out there it's like okay do I stop it interrupt you me or do I stop no but go ahead I'll let you say it because it really is for for context it's integral to the uh two hours from now or one hour from now or three hours from now wherever we get there it all sort of came to a hit
0: so Deborah's now with you and Deborah in on on screen. Uh, of course in real life, you're happily married, man, married to a beautiful lady named Jill and, and, but on screen Deborah becomes your second, but in real life, she's Steve Austin's lady, right?
1: Correct. Which I mean, it sort of happened at at the exact time, but absolutely It, it was, she came in and I can remember actually, uh, I think Ed Ferrara might have been the first guy to, to actually say hey i think deborah's coming in and then Russo told me and we're going to put her with you and uh, again i don't want to get too uh you know tennessee lee robert fuller old buddy of mine we had that then that went away and then the next thing you know oh 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 okay i think i did the nwa stint there for a little bit oh oh deborah's with you oh really <laughs> Where, where's this coming because in 96 when she was with Mongo and the four horsemen and Kevin Sullivan had yep. that story that Kevin Sullivan, I can remember me getting there and boy, we we're really getting off to, but Sully, Kevin Sullivan pulled me aside and he said, Brad, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do impersonations. I'm not going there, but, but no, that was pretty good. I like your brother, <laughs> but, but, uh, he pulled me aside and told me about this four horsemen story and where he wanted to go with it. And of course we had, you know, Rick and, 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 and a lot of, political maneuvering but he really kevin sullivan really wanted to do this story and it was really going to center around me rick and deborah yeah w- once we got there so anyway that didn't completely transpire, but it was you know there for a while it was a hell of a great thread on monday night nitro but anyhow that was sort of where it, it ended and then however long it is year and a half two years later russo says deborah's going to be with you he just sort of came out of left field
0: Hey, real quick. Want to remind you to check out conradreviews.com. If you think what I'm saying is too good to be true about SaveWithConrad.com, Check out conradreviews.com. That's where you'll see a five-star review from my man, Robert up in Warren, Michigan. He said, Diane and Brandy made my refinance simple and only took one phone call to get the process started. And the team was great with pondering my busy schedule. 99% of the communication was done via email. I was able to refinance out of my original FHA loan at a better rate. Even with the cash I took out for a kitchen remodel, my new mortgage payment is still cheaper than my original loan. Who would have thought being a podcast fan could save you money? Hey, thanks for that review, Robert. We appreciate the opportunity to help you save some cash and get that new kitchen. But check that out guys. He got a brand new kitchen with no money out of pocket and his payment still went down. That's like getting a free kitchen. Keep more of your own money. You're overpaying your single biggest bill, and you may not even realize it. Find out how much money you can save for free right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Or if you'd like, give us a call toll-free at 888-425-0105, or shoot me an email, Conrad at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Let's talk about WCW as a whole because at home, I have to admit, I'm I guess I'm uh 19 at the time, not quite 20, but WCW had been a part of my life, my entire wrestling fandom. I became a wrestling fan in 1988. So as long as I had been a wrestling fan, WCW was here, they were a part of it. I couldn't imagine a world without WCW you're even more deeper ingrained in all this you're getting a check every 2 weeks from WCW did you ever think WCW was actually ever going to a close or b be sold it never. just felt like it'd been a part of Turner forever
1: never and and knowing that you know coming from the uh territory days and and how USWA was literally the last territory and it was driven because it, 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 we hung on here because we were getting paid from the Memphis TV station so just the simple business economics that yes, quote unquote, it had turned into a TV company. And I'm like, that's the leg up. It's going to be around forever because the ratings are good. And it is relatively speaking, dirt cheap to produce it. You know, it's not baseball. It's not basketball. It's not some big Hollywood production. It's quote unquote, a wrestling show and us going to Orlando, ironically at universal studios to shoot, you know, six weeks at a time TV tapings. That's why I thought the business model needed to change and look, we can talk about creative forever, but it ain't going nowhere. Like, like there's zero chance uh, to this day. I mean, it's a few head scratchers on it, but, uh, I just didn't think it was, a, uh, I, I just didn't think there was, I thought there was zero chance of it being going away.
0: I don't, I don't want to jump into a ton of WCW creative, but do you remember there being a moment where something creatively happened and you thought, Mm. that might've killed the town that might, that might be the one that when we look back in WCW as fans, we can point to all oh, the Arquette thing. Oh, the finger poke to him. Oh, they made Russo champion. We could rattle on all these different examples, but when we look at, Hey, let's point a finger to when WCW leveled up. It's that Hogan flair thing at bash at the beach in 94 it's Hogan turning heel in 96. You know, there are these like major moments where it's like, after this, everything was different. It's Nitro starting. Those are probably the three big building blocks where you're like, oh man, we're on a trajectory. Mm-hmm. But you could also probably point to fans do all the time. Well, it started with the finger poke of doom and then blah, blah, blah. Was there a moment as a wrestler on the inside getting paid by this company where you thought, hmm, that might be the beginning of the end?
1: I can tell you the vibe. I don't know if I can point myself to any one finger, but Bronco Lubich was a, uh, the referee out in Dallas WCW yep. and I would make car rides with him and ask him different things. And he was very appreciative of my old man coming out there. And I asked him one time, Bronco, what happened to you? And he did not even skip a beat. He said, Jeff, it's real simple when the boys quit showing up. Only showed up when they wanted to and started missing towns. When the non TV events became less and less important, and not every Friday night where they dialed in, the air was let out of the room and they never could put the toothpaste, toothpaste back in the tube. Fast forward to WCW, when yeah. I would show up on a live event and it would be, and I don't want to name names, but you didn't have any millionaire club there. I
0: mean, oh, not
1: even there. Paul yeah so get a, uh, a, a I don't call it a program, but a sheet that, that this is the newspaper ad or, or this is what was advertised and like six people out of the 10 that were advertised are not there. I said, this ain't good. I mean, it, it ain't good. It just put a bad tone in front of the people behind the creeks. So, so, so the, the, the big wave, the white flag, we don't care. The people felt it. I still think that the, 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 the communication between the brand and the fan was not ever one event. It was, they don't care. So why, why should we not care? Why should, so why should we care? I think it's that simple, although it's not that simple, but when the talent quit caring, the fan quit caring.
0: Let me give you an example here. I'm just gonna, I just randomly pull the show up here. This is uh, from Minnesota, August eighteenth, two thousand. Mm. There's two thousand seven hundred and fifty five fans in the arena, only eight hundred and twenty two of them paid. The card is Yang and Hayashi against Helms and Moore. Crowbar, Crowbar defeated David Flair. The Great Muda and Vampiro defeated the Demon in a handicap match. Norman Smiley beat Big. Wait,
1: Pico. wait, wait! Say that match right there.
0: Uh, Norman Smiley and Big Vito. Oh, Muda and Vampiro against the demon in a handicap match.
1: Okay, just let that sink in, but we'll keep going.
0: Uh, Ray Mysterio and Juventude against uh Chronic and Jindrak and O'Hare, and then uh, Douglas beat Lex Luger, Lance Storm beat Mike Awesome, and your main event in a lumberjack match Stevie Ray versus Jeff Jarrett. And again, I'm we, I think, being you're on the same page here, we're not disparaging anyone. But your main event is Jeff Jarrett and Stevie Ray in a lumberjack match.
1: Stevie's a tag team wrestler.
0: Stevie's a tag team wrestler and there's 822 paid.
1: And Lex Luger, because he came in and had to crawl and scratch and came off the Lex express, he didn't have dates. He probably had 150 dates or 200 dates. They didn't have to worry about dates. So Lex made everything. I can remember making trips with Lex. I bet you, me and Lex rode together that night, but, but, but that says that's, that's a very good I- example uh, of, of WCW there. You know, and I, I, do you remember me and Stevie Ray ever working a program? Nope. The, the,
0: to your point back in the day, the fundamental reason the business grew is you use TV as an infomercial to get you to buy tickets. There you go. <laughs> So we're going to have a hot angle on TV and we're going to tease it, but we're not going to give it to you. Instead, you're not going to see flair versus Ronnie Garvin with that knockout punch. you're going to see flair versus George South, but at the end, Ronnie's going to knock him out, but they're wrestling tonight at the Charlotte Coliseum. So that's what the whole concept of a house show match was. We're going to get you excited on TV, but if you want to see the payoff, well, that's $20 we'll see you at the gate. That didn't happen here. You're not working a program with Stevie Ray. So the TV, whatever you're doing on TV has nothing to do with what we're seeing here. This is simply okay. Who's showing up and who likes each other and who can, who can put a match together. But it, it, it almost exists in a vacuum. It doesn't support your television product.
1: I hear you right. It's a stipulation match. Lumberjack match. I mean, which further dilutes the product. And again, right hand, left hand, right foot, left, foot. that's That's somebody booking a live event that's not writing TV. Right.
0: Because as we know, a lumberjack match is when you're in a heated feud and these guys keep trying to, you know, powder out and get a count out or a DQ. And we're not going to let that happen anymore. So today it's a lumberjack match but instead it's a lumberjack match randomly on. with you and we
1: move on I, I just, just reliving it i have a funk coming over me but no go ahead <laughs> I,
0: well i mean here's the thing it's important to note like um you guys had a, a San Francisco 49ers match and we'll talk about it another time but this is at the Cow Palace a legacy wrestling town a legacy re- wrestling building pat Patterson sold it out untold times New Japan did a pay-per-view there a few years ago. I mean, it is WCW ran a ton of pay-per-views. It's a big town wrestling town. And we've got for this nitro, uh, 1,941 fans at the cow palace, just Mm. eight months prior to that at super brawl, you had 8,500 paid fans in eight months. We went from 8,500 to 1,900 2000 man. I mean, I think Tony Schiavone described WCW as a coffin on roller skates.
1: Wow. Okay. That number 8500 something so so, so from 8500 uh and 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 I'd love to know because in in the promotion mindset that yes, we're going to take in collectively between San Francisco uh Super brawl, is that what you said it was? Yep. And yep. this Nitro, we're going to yep. take in seven or eight months worth of content. Yep. But let's think about the paying customers. What did they see at Super brawl? Because what you left them with, those 8,500 fans that night, they didn't like. It's not, ah, it was, no, they didn't like what was put on in Super Brawl in droves. Now, look, yes, there's obviously mitigating factors and what's on TV and what's driving them and this and that. And we're going to talk about the silliness of the San Francisco box match and, and I don't want to leave out the most important player in that match, Beetlejuice. but that's another discussion, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever was delivered in, in, in February or March, they didn't come back.
0: What's hilarious about that is it's Jeff Jarrett in the main event with Scott Hall and Sid Vicious in a three-way dance underneath.
1: It was Hogan and Lex. Did Scott stay down in the ring that night? I don't remember. Yeah. Look on the report. I, I can tell you, Scott got hurt and, and the, the whole that I bet you, if you look back on, uh, I don't want to draw Meltzer into this. I don't think it was a good show. I'm sure. I don't know. I, I, I'd love to, no,
0: here's a spoiler. It was WCW in 2000. It wasn't a good show, <laughs> Okay, man, chat me up. So, yeah, I mean, that's everybody's goal. Let's get the sting money. So we mentioned. Fusion media makes the announcement on January 11th. A few days later, there's a, a big pay-per-view WCWCN. we'll probably cover it in long form some other time, but the main event is Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, Sid vicious and road Warrior animal is the big surprise. So he's last to the ring. Unfortunately, that's when Sid vicious had a horrific incident where he destroyed his leg live on pay-per-view. Mm. Um, when the big payoff was road warrior animal did you think, you know, Hey, this is a shot in the arm or, Hey, that was a good idea 10 years ago. I don't know that it's a big draw and a big surprise now, or did you feel like, Hey man, they just bought Eric Bischoff's coming back road warriors here. I'm in the main event. Maybe we're going to pull the nose up on this
1: thing. I was a, a road warrior fan from way back. Everybody was, and I, yeah, I didn't like the vibe. Of him being not so much a mystery, but seeing a road warrior with a sheet over his head and covered up didn't do much for me. It was silly. It it, it it there was there was just again one of those things that maybe in a booking room make road warrior animal the surprise, but the actual execution and he's not coming through with the shoulder pads and oh my god, there's Joe, there's animal. I mean, it was just another proverbial, as they say, and church.
0: Hey, real quick. Want to give a shout out to our man, friend of the show, teacher, rapper, DJ, and hero mega He's working on a new album. It's going to be all the fun of the classic video games, comic books, pro wrestling references that you're used to, but with one added element, basketball ball Live 95 is the title, and he's raising funds for it right now on Kickstarter. With your help, the album will release on digital, CD, custom USB, and even limited picture vinyl. Support tiers start as low as 10 bucks with tons of perks like snapback hats, tops trading cards, and the ability to record a skit and appear on the album. Sounds like a good time to me. Back Megaran's new project, Live 95, at megaran.com forward slash Kickstarter. Let me just tell you, Megaran is a wrestling fan, just like me and you. Uh, We've connected a few times at our different conventions and live shows. Uh, Cooler than the other side of the pillow. Love to support wrestling fans who are doing their thing. And I'm telling you, if you haven't seen it, you're going to love it. Go check it out. If you love classic video games or comic books or pro wrestling or basketball, this is for you. Take a look. Megaran.com forward slash Kickstarter. That's M-E-G-A-R-A-N.com forward slash Kickstarter. Megarand.com forward slash Kickstarter. Help a brother out. You do a run in for Canyon's match with Booker T. You hit Booker with the guitar to help Canyon get the win. That sets up the main event. But let's talk about the moment of truth. Here's the write up from The Observer Hulk Hogan pinned Jeff Jarrett to theoretically win the WCW title. Vince Russo came out looking forlorn. Jarrett came down. Russo told him to lay down. Russo threw the belt in the ring like he was mad. Hogan put his foot on Jarrett for the pin. Jarrett got right up and walked out and didn't look very happy in the process. Hogan said it was bullshit like this that Russo was doing. That was ruining wrestling. The announcers went on and on about what they just saw saying it was real life, not part of the format, etc. How tense was this right before it happened? And actually, as it's happening, just talk me through your experience.
1: You know, there's no way to describe the trepidation that I had. Slick Johnson's probably the only person on earth that could give a glimpse into it. Because when I walked through the curtain, I had my game face on and and I'm going to work. But backstage, knowing what I was about to do, my music playing. And again, we're going to do a watch along on this at some point on how long it took me from the time my music hit to the time I got to the ring. Cause I was really just second guessing the whole deal, but coming out and knowing, and you know, the people, the people didn't know, I knew the people. look, the people hated slap nuts and love talk, especially in Daytona. <laughs> okay. Let's see what happens. Let's what kind of match they, they didn't know any of this and and you could like any world title match with some build and some, some build up to it. And, and look, we hate Jarrett and you were one of those, but you know, I was a heel Hogan was a babyface, and they wanted to see the match and me playing the tape forward and knowing this is what we're about to do. And the reaction that was going to take place and I'm a part of it. And not only that, they got to see my ass back out here in 30 minutes to have a match. Like guys, what are you possibly thinking? How do you want your, 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 your hot heel to, to rebound from this in 30 minutes when you're not going to make them mad with heat, you're going to disgust them to the umpteenth degree. I'm the last person they're going to want to see period. I'm the last talent they're, they're, that they're going to want to see. That's how I felt that I, I played the tape forward that making sense. Conrad. Yes. It, it, me me having to go out do this bs thing with hogan oh but jeff go back out 30 minutes later and get a hell of a reaction and and you and booker are going to tear the house down good for you guys and now booker's going to be the whole champion all in an hour disaster terrible writing terrible booking and terrible thinking things through
0: jeff i'm curious if you think that all of this was so terrible why did you keep vince Russo employed in the wrestling business for so long after this? Good question.
1: Uh context, uh he was back, you know, cuz I I don't put all of this on Vince. Right. There's Eric a lot of negotiations played, here. Role, Paul played a role, WCW played a role, um Johnny Ace played the everybody was a part of this culture. But, but and also too, why did I keep him employed? I think was your direct question. Yes. I can create a different culture Am I delusionally optimistic a little bit, but I know for 2002 to 2009, it was a different culture in TNA without question.
0: It, it's it's fascinating to think about, especially with the benefit of hindsight. Let's talk about what we actually saw executed that night. Um, you feel like. The actual execution of you laying down Russo coming down, throwing the belt in the ring, Hogan, pinning you Hogan, cutting a promo up to that point, everything has gone exactly as you guys laid out to the best of your recollection,
1: but yes, I mean, it was go out, lay down. That's what we're doing. Yes.
0: It's a silly thing, but I, I, I noticed it and I'm sure there was a conscious effort because of the way this all shook out. When you come to the ring to wrestle Hogan, you're not wearing the big gold belt. That's over my head that WCW had been using. You're wearing a cast copy from AFX studios that Andre Freitas made. And it has a nameplate on it that says Jeff Jarrett, but it's black leather and it's all gold. It's not the dual plated one behind me. Not the original Hogan's going to take that belt, leave the arena with it. And to this day. Uh, it's hung in his beach shop down in Florida, and you can go see it. But Jared you're actually going
1: to Hogan nameplate
0: the Jarrett nameplate. <laughs> that wasn't your belt. That was a copy of the belt. You wore your belt out, the real belt later that night to wrestle Booker T. Somebody in props came to you and said, Hey, don't wear that one, wear this one. Do you remember that?
1: I don't. Boy, you are a belt Meister, the pod father and a belt Meister. But you got, do you know, that's the first time I've been, I took Grado into Hogan's big Shop on mania a couple of years ago when we did something to wrestle with first show that weekend, I went to Hogan's beach shop for the first time. I didn't even realize the Jarrett belt was in there.
0: That is yeah. your bash at the beach 2000 belt. Cause he's never back in WCW ever again. You killed I'm him right, right here. here.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's funny
0: that somebody was like, because that's very almost mob-like if you want to believe that wrestling is real, and we know it's not. But I'm just saying this situation feels like, no, don't let him take the real belt. Yeah. Let him take the bullshit belt.
1: And- just gave Penzer's credibility. Uh, uh uh, you know, that decision, the, the, the dual Jarrett um uh nameplates wasn't thought of day of.
0: So Chat me up. He's out of there. He walks with the belt. And then Russo cuts a scathing promo. And this is where people start to get their feelings hurt. And there's lawsuits flying back and forth. As far as you recall, the promo that Russo cut, that was also in the original plan.
1: Or no? I knew he's gonna cut a promo. You know, I never like when somebody says G D, but but I knew he was going to give his long Island diatribe. Um, and when Vince wants to cut a promo, he can cut a promo, but I knew that he was going to say, you know, basically set up the match. Okay. Here's what was told to me. I'm going to cut a promo out with the old and with the new, that's all that I knew to set up the match with Booker T.
0: And it's the context of that promo that I think Hogan took issue with. And it's the reason he never came back quote. There's only one way for me to do this. And that is for me to tell you like it is, you know, three weeks ago I left WCW and quite frankly, I didn't know if I was going to come back. And the reason I didn't know whether or not I was going to come back is because from day one, I've been in W since I've been in WCW, I've done nothing but deal with the bullshit of the politics behind the curtain. The fact of the matter is I have a wife and three kids at home and I don't need this shit, but let me tell you the reason I did come back. I came back for every one of the guys in that locker room who week in, week out bust their asses for WCW. I came back for the Booker T's. I came back for every single guy in MIA. I came back for the animals. I came back for Jarrett. I came back for the guys behind the curtain who give a shit about this company. And let me tell you who doesn't give a shit about this company, that goddamn politician Hulk Hogan. Because let me tell you people what happened here tonight in this ring. All day long, I've been playing politics with Hulk Hogan. Because tonight, Hulk Hogan wants to play his creative control card. And to Hulk Hogan, that means tonight, in the middle of this ring, when he knew it was bullshit, he beats Chef Jarrett. Well, guess what? Hogan got his wish. Hogan got his belt, and he went the hell home. I promise everybody, or else I go in the goddamn grave, you'll never see that piece of shit again. Nobody's going to be ripped off tonight. Hulk Hogan now has the WCW belt. And Hulk, let's refer to that as the Hulk Hogan Memorial. Let my family save your family some cash. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but we will save you money. It's not a matter if, it's a matter of how much. Save with Conrad.com. Belt, because from here on out, that belt don't mean shit. Because there will be a new WCW belt. And as far as I'm concerned, that belt still belongs to the guy who busts his ass week in and week out in the middle of the ring. You people can love him or hate him, but he doesn't screw anybody back there. And that's Jeff Jarrett. Hold on a minute. Jeff Jarrett's still the official WCW champion, but he'll defend that title in this ring tonight against the son of a bitch back there who, for 14 years, has been busting his ass in WCW and can't get a goddamn break because of Hulk Hogan. I'm talking about Booker T. Booker T and Jeff Jarrett are the two reasons I'm in this damn stinking business to begin with. So, tonight in this ring for the WCW title, two deserving guys, Jarrett and Booker, will compete for the WCW title and tear this goddamn house down. And Hogan. You big bald son of a bitch! Kiss my ass. It's a masturbatory promo, as you said. There's no payoff. It's not going to help anybody. It's not going to draw any money. But it is creative. But it's a pay per view. People paid to see Jeff Jarrett wrestle Hulk Hogan, and it didn't happen. We're still getting the Jeff Jarrett match. But now Hulk Hogan's arch rival is not Jeff Jarrett, his opponent from a moment ago, it's the writer backstage, Vince Russo, who just cut a promo. It's hard to imagine anybody ever thought any of this was a good idea.
1: (laughs) I like how you said that so eloquently, no kidding. Seriously.
0: At this point, your family's been in wrestling. I don't know, five right. decades, if not longer,
1: 46,
0: this type of promo just flies in the face of everything your family believed in and built, right?
1: The profanity laced GD is, is such a non-starter, but, but the context of the only, Vince saying the only reason I'm in this business
0: is Jeff Jarrett and Booker
1: T what that does it people, it was so transparent. Yes. So trend no nobody believed any of that. Did you hear the promo as it happened?
0: Huh? Did you hear the promo as it happened?
1: Hear and, well, oh gosh, Conrad, I don't want to um live did I hear it, but I've heard it back. So oh. I, I don't recall. Um but but j- just it, it it's uh, you know, again, hindsight's 2020, but there was just no validity and, and again out of context, but hey. Daytona beach. um, although there are a lot of snowbirds down there, but still it's WCW territory and Vince has a very thick long Island accent and you're talking about Hulk Hogan. Yes. It's Hollywood Hulk. And he had been through that run, but it's still Hulk period. It was, it was just, it was bad.
0: (laughs) Do you remember seeing Hulk backstage before he, he and Bischoff left the
1: pillow? I don't, Uh, my recollection, I came through the curtain maybe i listened to a little bit of that promo but i went straight to book cuz i knew we had a very limited short time window to put a match together
0: from what i remember i believe the story is as soon as um the show's over or hogan's part is over he and bischoff go jump on a plane and they're out of there like they leave not yes. just the building but they fly out right
1: it, what is eric and Hulk, uh, did, did they say they didn't know about the uh Russo promo, and I know I'm I, of-
0: I think it was the the content of the pro they knew he was gonna cut a promo that set something up, but they never knew they kn- they didn't agree with supposedly, allegedly, the whole um you'll never see him again, you'll never see that piece of shit again, that belt don't mean shit, blah blah blah. But by the way, he spoke at new existence. We never see Hulk Hogan in WCW again.
1: I think the whole thing was built around. Now look again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Was Hogan's renewal, and 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 they they said, okay, I'm not going to get it renewed, but let me start litigation. I'll get money out of Turner, something. But again, that's hindsight's twenty twenty. But still, just the whole thing's a
0: mess. Russo has said in interviews, he told you the next day it was a work. But you always thought. It was a work. Why would Russo feel the need in interviews all these years later to say, "Hey, it was a work."
1: Yeah, thank you. Oh, oh, but me and Booker's match was real, right? He really won the world. I mean, just the whole thing is just insanity.
0: Flat nut. Hey, so let's talk a little bit about the promo. Uh, Bruce told a famous story on something to wrestle that he's watching the show on a monitor, and apparently a lot of the quote-unquote boys were doing the same. And he somehow winds up watching the scene with Vince McMahon that starts Monday night raw with you. Can you sort of set the stage? So this promo open raw. Yeah. And you know what? Let's play it right now. Here we go. Here it is.
3: Well, now here's the WWF and here's WCW. Well, there's Jeff Jarrett. And here we have the owner of the World Wrestling Federation. And now the owner of WCW. That's right. I'm Vince McMahon. I have purchased. I own my own competition. and tonight tonight i have the ability to address wwf fans as to what this means i have the ability to address wcw stars as to what this means to them and yes i have the ability to address wcw fans as to what this actually means to them as well tonight at the right time there'll be a special simulcast And let me just say that tonight, for sure, one man will make history. And that's me, Vince McMahon. Now, as far as the Jeff Jarrett's of the world are concerned, you know how Jeff spells his name? That's J-E-double-F. Well, you know what? Hmm, I would suspect that we'd spell it a different way after tonight. That would be capital G-double-O-double-N-double-E. Gone.
0: That's how raw started top five, most important Raw's in the history of professional wrestling, maybe one of the most important shows in the history of professional wrestling, and it starts with the overlord, the most powerful man in wrestling, ribbing the way you spell your name and publicly firing you. Boy, you just got history coming and going. Don't you
1: Conrad? I had a flashback. Put this, put this on and really think through this. 1986 was my first match Yep. or that Kaufman, David Letterman show, Jackie Fargo, Jerry Lawler, all the folks coming through my vision of the business, my thoughts on the business and fast forward up. I forgot that open raw I had in my mind. And, and I don't know if people know how you make this. Uh, chicken shit turned into chicken salad that you, you know, you have researchers and it's a whole team of that free and the guys, yeah. but to, to really drill down into it. But when I knew we were doing this topic and this is where it comes to, but if you were to hear that back as a 30 37 year old in my, okay, we'll call it ego. It takes the ego to go around. This is I, for a thought and maybe carried that with me, Vince is going to shoot an angle with me.
0: Oh, okay. It's
1: all about money. think, think that I, when I heard that he went through all this, who'd he pick out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who did he pick when, when you really drill it down, he can't fire me because I'm not hired a hey, I'm getting paid through November, October, November, December, whatever it is. But no, who's he got a working relationship that drew money. And when I left at 99 was the hottest heel on the card. That's arguable sake, but, but, a red hot heel, he's a business guy. Who can he take from this roster that he knows will do the job in spite of any circumstances, whether good, bad, or indifferent? My last night in 95, I did the job to Sean. I could have walked out beforehand, did the job to Sean and left China, did the job to China and left who's willing to do business. He picked me to fire me. We're
0: doing an angle. Wow. I think from the outside, we all thought, Oh, remember when he held up Vince, this is Vince's receipt and your brain, as you said, ego comes into it, goes to no, he knows I'll do business. You know, I'm going to bitch about my payoff. Maybe I'm not going to like my creative maybe, but I'll do what he wants. You know, I'll put Sean over. You can cover me in flour. That's fine. But the public firing. So take me to that moment. Bruce says y'all are watching together. Do you remember seeing it on the monitor? Was Bruce nearby? What's your reaction? Tom? I
1: don't remember Bruce, but I'm not to say that look, me and Bruce have always, and it goes with our, my, me and Tom, his bro, his brother hit it all from day one. And I can't tell you how many miles that I rode with Dr. Tom and Tom had been in the business. I don't know, five, seven years longer than me. And Tom was close enough to my age. He wasn't quote unquote an old timer. But it was very seasoned and Tom, like he is today, he's part of the ad-free family, but he's very giving of his knowledge and he had a way and maybe some stories we can't tell on on this podcast, but me and Tom had a unique, not a unique, yeah, it was unique because Tom would cut through the BS. Hey, Jeff, that that sucked. What about this way? So Tom critiqued my in-ring work. So I say all that, me and Tom had a really tight relationship. He also knew that me and my dad didn't have such a great relationship. I also knew that him and Bruce weren't, oh yeah, he's my brother, but guess what? <laughs> our relationship, you know, and, and they're just two of, I don't know how many, how many Pritchard brothers are there? Five, I think.
0: Yeah, there's a bunch.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, I, our, our family connection, we, we ran up, down the roads together. Tom is a heel me is a baby face, Tom. I can remember coming through the dressing rooms a lot of nights going, damn, that was a hell of a match. And he was all off Tom's psychology. He knew what he was doing. So anyway, me and Tom had a good relationship. Fast forward to me and Bruce is doing the vignettes, working together. Bruce was a supporter of me working against Scott Hall. I knew that I absolutely knew that Bruce really liked the Razor double J storyline. So now we're, you know, I'm not going to get sidetracked Conrad and, and and do all that. But coming fast forward, here comes Bruce. Bruce, we had a relationship. I knew he wasn't a, He was pissed off that I walked out in Nashville that night, like really mad at me. And, and also I knew coming back, he wasn't the greatest a fan of, of me coming back in the fold. But Russo was also riding and I knew everybody had their own individual ups and downs. And, you know, at that time, you know. Russo and we were, were lead writers. But anyway, get to Panama City, again, unless you're in the industry, but the boys will be the boys will be the boys. And at the end of the day, we're all gonna cross paths again. Bruce grew up in the wrestling business in Houston. I grew up in Tennessee. So, I, 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 and maybe wrongly, may, maybe this is completely inaccurate. Maybe Bruce really enjoyed it for the moment, but I didn't take it anything slight. I don't remember him standing next to me, but as I heard that promo just five minutes ago, it, it came back in my my mind. I'm going, he started raw with Jeff. He started raw with Jeff. Where are we going with this? People came up and asked me this, namely Bob Ryder.
0: Not just, not just started raw, started the raw. I mean, for years, fans had, I mean, and my gosh, look how much money the, the quote unquote after mags made off of. The fantasy booking of what if the Undertaker, you know, wrestled the Giant? What if, you know, the Undertaker wrestled Still? Goldberg, what, Austin
1: was the dream match of all yeah. match when they're red hot.
0: So, all of that, I mean, even going back to before Hogan came over, it was Hogan and Flair who would win. They had done this for decades. And now this is the show where it's finally, hey, we're announcing it can happen. I own them both. And instead of starting off with teasing, Boy, now we've got the dream matches coming. You know, everybody. Nope, I'm gonna fire that motherfucker. I mean, that's the way we read
1: it, right? Like, see, and I can't, I can't put myself in your shoes. Yeah, in, in this time frame, because I was so ingrained to on the grind, Nitro, Raw, Thunder. You know, in in the TV moment, writing TV. You know, being a part of good creative, being a part of bad creative, all that to go with it. And he starts Raw with Jeff.
0: Bruce says that. He didn't tell you what the creative was and you didn't know what the creative was. He watched on a monitor, like everybody else, when you saw it, laughed, patted him on the back and walked away. That sounded about right.
1: And I can tell you that, 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 you know, full transparency, and this is so liberating and air, 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 we text back and forth, but there's a little bit of cleansing in all this and through the, the last three and a half, four years, I've had different moments of this, but I can assure you going on inside of Jeff's head was, I'm going to give him the nervous kind of the the golf clap, Pat <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> walking away. Like, okay, he started with raw. What does that really mean? Man, what are we doing next week? Where's raw at next week? Am I on Raw next week? Am I on SmackDown? Wait, no, Ah, that Jeff, you're getting too far ahead. Wait. Okay. He wouldn't have put me it's, it's the old game in your mind. He wouldn't have put me on TV unless there were plans. Well, Maybe not. Well, I'm getting paid. I'm not going to give that up. And why would he pay me this money when he wouldn't pay me this two years ago? And guess what? I'm going back to my Memphis roots. When you have a roster of, you know, in those days at WCW, 100 guys or 80 guys or 60 guys, it's a big pile of mess regardless. Nobody, I can remember Hall, Nash, uh, Hogan, Flair, Goldberg, whatever that, you know, Booker, just the whole big roster. I, I, and I do remember having this conversation with my dad, maybe not the week after, but the following couple of weeks, nobody means nothing. Dad, if everybody goes over at once it's complete dilution, it will not work. It just won't How can you make anybody special if there's 30 new guys that show up? It just isn't going to work. So that night though, we're staying on the night. I can hang on
0: on, timeout. Did you say that because you had seen what happened with the UWF and the NWA before when Crockett bought out Watts?
1: it's okay. Oh, I, I always refer to it as watch territory. Yeah. Yes. Be but if you also remember when Geigel and K- Kansas city went out of business, there's been an influx that it, it, it's just, you know, um, when we came in to Dallas from USWA and Michael Hayes and Kevin von Eric, Hey, we need your help. Well, all of a sudden my dad was like, no, wait a minute. Eric Embry's there. We don't need to send everybody at once and cactus Jack and Gary young. And, you know, just, I guess cumulative effect of looking at my entire review mirror, so to speak,
0: people had tried it and it didn't work.
1: It doesn't work. I yeah. mean, period. It just, it just, does, it, it, it's, it's,
0: it's hard enough to get one guy over. You can't get 30 over. Bingo. All right. Real quick, before we get out of here, I got to say it one last time. I want to save you money. Stop what you're doing and rush over to save with conrad.com. This is going to be the best summer ever. Just ask Miguel in Plainsville, Ohio. He left us a five-star review at conradreviews.com. And it said this big, thank you to Conrad and his team. I enjoyed my experience working with first family mortgage. Jimmy was there. Anytime I had any questions, he was just a text message away. Saving money and refinancing my home. Couldn't have been any easier. Miguel saving a whole bunch of cash and you can too right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. But I do want to mention, this isn't just for refinancing. Maybe you've outgrown your current home or you're tired of throwing your money away on rent. First Family Mortgage can help you get into your next house fast and easy at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, no house payments for two months. Come on, let's make this the best summer ever. With a little summer vacation from house payments at SaveWithConrad.com.
1: NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo!
2: John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together,